What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm stoked for you to meet today's guest, Justin Grant, father to four kiddos ages seven and under, and we mine some serious gold in this conversation. We talk about resilience and how to teach that to your kiddos and learn it yourself if you don't have it. We talk about how to support your child as they're going through sport experiences, how you can show up and love them unconditionally and overcoming anger. Enjoy meeting my friend, Justin. All right, here we go. Another episode of Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes. Super pumped to be hanging out with Justin Grant. Justin, you're looking strong today. How are you? I'm doing awesome, Ned. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, man. Are you feeling strong today? I feel strong every day. It's a choice. I feel strong every day. How about you? I feel strong today. Yeah. Although I didn't get the full sleep I wanted last night because I had something else I wanted to do. So balancing that, which I think will come, maybe maybe come back around to. So feeling strong every day, that's a choice. What do you mean by that? How is it a choice to feel strong? Yeah. So lots of times we we may not actually feel a certain way. Um, but I have found that our feelings often follow our actions, which follow our thoughts and our words. And so when I especially if I'm not feeling the greatest, I will actually make myself do something that normally makes me feel good. And I will start Mm. speaking as if I feel good. And then my feelings and my emotions and everything seems to follow that. It's not that I magically feel strong every day. Um, It's just more of a, it's a choice. And I, my emotions and my feelings follow actions. Love it. Love it, man. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about and toying with, you know, faith Faith is belief plus actions, but sometimes actions got to come before the belief. And then sometimes beliefs got to come before the action. So, so I've been digging that. So just to help people understand who I'm talking to right now, how old do you find yourself today? Yeah. So I'm 35 years young today. Okay. Um, just, just turned 35, actually. Nice. Happy I have, birthday. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm married to a, a beautiful woman. Her name is Rebecca. Um, she's been with me for 10 years. We just had our 10th anniversary as well. Cool. Nice. Um, yeah. Thank you. And uh, we have four beautiful kids. They're uh, ages one or uh, a little over a year, about 14 months to seven years old. Uh, our bookends are our boys and we have two girls in the middle. Uh, Love it, dude. No messing around. Now are you, are you done at four? We're done at four. Uh, we, we made it permanent. I, I wouldn't get a, Made that permanent. Nice. So we're done at four. Nice, man. All right. And then where does your family reside? Where do you guys live? Uh, we live in Meeker, Colorado. It's northwestern Colorado. It's a town of about 23 to 2,500 people. Okay. So, nice. And you guys yeah. have lived there and grown your family there and established there. And that's where you will, I mean, unless God does something different, that's where you will raise the family. Yeah, this is where we plan to raise the family. I, I actually grew up in northern Nevada, a little town called Winnemucca. Um, I went to... 
um, college at Colorado State University Pueblo, um, where I was there on a wrestling scholarship, and that's where I met my wife. I uh, went from there to medical school in Denver, um, and then I did my residency and my fellowship both in Wichita, Kansas, and then we moved here after uh, Wichita, and uh, we've been here now for about three and a, three and three quarter, almost four years now. Nice. Um, but yeah, so we plan to stay here until at least the kids are out of the house, unless God moves us somewhere else, which he's been known to do. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. And then what do you do for a living? So you kind of mentioned a couple of things. It looks like you, you know, tell us where you're sitting right now. Uh, but what is it that you do for a living? Yeah, so I'm a sports medicine physician. Um, it's kind of a unique uh, position, though, uh, being in a small town. I'm also uh, one of our ER physicians and hospitalists. Um, so it's it's more of a we all wear a lot of hats here, but my, yeah. my training was initially in family medicine and I had a fellowship in sports medicine. And now I mostly do sports and spine. That's my uh, profession and I'm employed by the hospital. However, uh, my wife and I have also been obsessed about fitness um, ever since we've been together. Um, when I graduated from college and went from wrestling as a full-time job with academics kind of in the backseat and then started medical school where really academics was the full-time job yeah. and any kind of fitness for, I started to kind of feel like I lost my identity and then I became obsessed with fitness. And, um, some of that was in the CrossFit world. Some of that's been in triathlons. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, my wife and I started our own, um, our own business called Athlos Life. We're, um, we're lifelong athletes in a community of other lifelong athletes trying to forge our path into a higher purpose for God. Hmm, so that's, dig it. that's what we do. Okay. So what does Athlos mean? So Athlos is where it's the Greek word for, uh, to compete or competition. It's, uh, it's where we get our word athletics from or athlete from. Nice. And then talk to me about what does it mean to be a lifelong athlete and then how is that yeah, sustainable? So, yeah. So a lifelong athlete, um, the idea is we're always trying to pursue the better version of ourselves. So whether we're actually competing from, you know, scholastic sports to collegiate sports to, um, you know, USA opens or various other kind of athletics, or you're just a, a casual CrossFit competition athlete, or, or maybe you just go do occasional 5Ks for fun. But the idea is you're always trying to pursue a healthier, more vibrant, more productive version of yourself. We're always trying to reach the next level. And in general, athletes tend to do that well. We're always trying to improve a skill set or improve our health, our things in general, not all athletes, but in general, our our sleep becomes more priority. We we choose what goes into our body with a little more intention, um, and we're constantly reaching for the next level. So that's what a lifelong athlete is. Whether or not you're signing up for the next race, or you're, or you're just trying to stay fit, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. When we're on this pursuit of becoming, you know, the better version of ourselves, what's your suggestion to your athletes um, or you know people who come be a part of Athlos? of how to be, um, I don't want to use the word content, but like, enjoy the process, enjoy where you are today, celebrate the wins today versus like, man, I've been going out this for X number of days. And I'm just like, always, always pursuing the next without enjoying what I've already accomplished. I mean, I'm really glad you asked because that's actually, um, sneak preview into our, our first like ad campaign is going to be just that it's not about the summit. It's about the journey to the summit. Yeah. It's about the process. It's about that that daily grind to improve yourself. It's about the time in the gym. It's about the time reading the books. It's about the time 
connecting with people who are better than you in whatever field that is. It's about the journey. It's the process. You know, like how many times have you climbed a mountain and you sure the view's great from the top, but really it was the climb that was awesome. It was the hike, the views, all of that. It was the, the struggle that that's what it was about. So the idea is when you reach that summit, we're not satisfied there. We're always looking for the journeys to continue. It's about yeah. this process. It's not about the top. Yeah. Yeah, dig it. I like the idea, I guess, as you're talking about it, is the idea of like milestones, you know, like if you set up milestones to still celebrate those, because sometimes I think we get to the top and then we just start thinking about the next thing, you know, we're not even celebrating uh, the work that we've already done. Um, <laughs> but yeah, celebrating the milestones. When I say that, is there any milestones like what's the last milestone you feel like you've hit? And then what's the next one you're working towards? Yeah. So first your, your comment on um, celebrating those, it's extremely important that we do. Um, and actually one of the things that I'm, I'm hoping to visit with you about a little bit is, is the idea of developing mental resilience and exercise, fitness, sport can be a way in which we can do that. It's just an avenue to do that. And one of those things is as human beings, we need to feel progress. So that's one of the importance of those milestones. We need to be able to celebrate, hey, I was able to improve. I was able to, to reach the next level and to feel that progress and have that sense of control. Um, and, and then back to your other question about what was my last milestone. Um, when we're If we're talking sports specific, uh, my last milestone was doing the half Ironman that I did last October. Um, and I actually just signed up for another one. I'm going to be doing this October. So it was last December and I'm going to be doing one this, this October. Um but the cool thing is when you said that, what actually came to mind wasn't really the sport. Um, mm. I would say the the bigger milestone for me has been more as a parent mm. and being able to pursue something like that. And that never became the priority over my family. Yeah. I would say that's the real milestone for me. Yes, I dig it. Um, which Which maybe we'll get into that a little bit later is how did it not become the idol or you know, how to have a priority like that and not overtake the family. Um, so let's see, let's see if we come back to that. Um, <clears throat> okay. couple questions for you. When did you embrace fatherhood? So when you think about, um, you know, you have a seven-year-old down to a one-year-old from the moment you were told, Justin, you're going to be a dad to the moment that this first baby's delivered. And it's like, whoa, this wild experience to you're holding a baby, you know, you've got a toddler, et cetera. At what point did you go, wow, being a father really matters and you embraced it? Um, man, I can't point back to one particular time that that happened. I can point back to several different times where like I'm looking at my son or my daughter and it's really hits me in the moment that, man, I'm, re I'm responsible for this being, um, and this overwhelming sense of pride and awe has come on me, but it hasn't really been like one particular moment. Like when we first found out we were pregnant, it was really cool. Um, but then that paled a comparison to the first time I helped the little guy, the, yeah. my first, like our firstborn. And then to be honest, that paled in comparison to the first time that I saw him walk. Mm. And then the first time I coached him and I realized that man, like I've got to hold back so much more of my own emotions right now. So it's about him and not me. And like, there were so many, I think like each, each milestone, I guess going back to those milestones, um, 
they've each had a very big impact on my thought process. And I can't say there was a single one. And I, and I anticipate and hope that there's still a lot more of those to come. Yeah. How do you find yourself with all that you have going on? Um, continue to be engaged in those milestones that maybe aren't your milestones. Maybe they're your kids' milestones, but how do you, how do you stay engaged to those? Yeah. So I, um, I can't pretend that I'm perfect at that. Uh, it's definitely an everyday growing process for me, but I I do uh, I do make it a goal to be very intentional with it. Um, for example, we I so I got calendar my day, and there's calendared into each day a certain time I'm with the kids, and when I'm with the kids, like my cell phone's away, like that sort of thing, or I'm with my wife on a date night. Um, I'm intentional with putting it into my calendar so that way they know that I'm there for them. Um, but then we also, we design our activities around stuff with the kids, like with Uriah with his wrestling tournaments. Um, we all usually go as a family. And then afterwards we do something fun together, like go to dinner or, or something where it's, we try to be intentional with that time and then create the experience um, as opposed to just, you know, kind of being there and passively watching in the stands um, sort of thing. I'm being very engaged, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love that. Um, in bringing up Uriah, I'd love just to not miss this. Um, but you know, I read your blog post about your dedication and relationship to sports and then your son going into a wrestling match. Um, when you are so athletic yourself and you grew up wrestling, went to college for wrestling. Now your seven-year-old is doing it. How do you encourage your kid to do something you love without making it about you? Right. So that's a, that's been a very big struggle. Um, I think the biggest thing is you have to remind yourself that it is, it's his life. This is his sport. And even if he choose to do it or not, um, one of the things I've done to be intentional about that is I have, Every single time we go to a tournament, I ask him if he even wants to go. And if he tells me no, we don't go. Luckily, he hasn't told me no yet. <laughs> um, so I, I enjoy that part of it. The other thing is in practice. So I, I coach our um, our club team here. I'm the head coach for that. My brother also helps coach that. And then I have a couple of friends who coach. Nice. Um, the other thing is whenever I feel myself starting to become frustrated or any way in any way emotional involved and it's not a positive emotion i step away and i let another coach take over Mm. Uh, so that way i don't put myself emotionally into a position where i'm going to ruin it for him it has to be fun it has to be about him it can't be about me i'm not living through him um this is him it's not mine i'm just here to help him help him grow in any way i can so didn't did you have an experience where you your frustration didn't show up well in your relationship with your son so that then you created a okay I reacted this time so moving forward I now know what I'm going to do when this feeling comes to me at a match or wherever Um yes it wasn't involved in a sport though. Um, it was more of a disciplinary thing. Um, mm. him starting to get to this 
stage where he's, you know, talks back a little bit, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, where when I can go, if I could go back to that moment, the way I handled it, I definitely would have handled it very differently. Um, cause I, it was definitely not productive. Um, and interestingly that, that happened after the blog post you read, mm. um, Arthur Mitzi. So the, uh, it, it's an ongoing struggle and battle that I'm very much aware of. Um, and I'm sure it'll always be it an ongoing struggle, but yeah. one in which I continue to grow beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So I think dads, as you're thinking about this, you know, Justin is saying it's an acknowledgement that I'm going to get frustrated, right? I'm going to get frustrated. Here's how I want to respond. Okay. And, and you have to carve out time of self-reflection. And obviously we know it. Like when I walk away from my son and I didn't speak to him well, or I didn't handle it well. Like I feel it, I know. And that's where I've been thinking about guilt more. Like when you have that feeling of guilt, tap into that. What is it telling you? What is it showing you? If you don't feel right about that conversation, how would you do it next time? And then think through that and then maybe go talk to your son about it. And I think there's a difference, right? I mean, we know it in Justin's voice and what I'm saying is like, we're not saying suck and be a dick and then apologize and then do that again. It's that there will always be opportunity to grow. There will always be room to improve if you're engaged and present in a self-talk with yourself and being aware of like how things are going down. But I really like acknowledging I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to. I've been telling myself that more lately, like, why am I surprised when things don't go the way I think they're going to go in the day? Like every day is going to throw out some unexpected something. So why a lot of times is my first response frustration with that when I knew it was coming? I didn't know where, when, but it's going to come. So how do I respond? Absolutely. I think that goes back to the idea of you know, it's, it's the process. It's not the summit at the top. You know, we got to celebrate the milestones when we've been able to overcome that and respond the way we want to respond, but it's about the process every day. Yeah. Yeah. So good. With this in mind, you know, as, as an intentional father, what would you say um, that you've learned about yourself and being a dad? So you've hit a few stages. I mean, gone from one to two to three to four, um, what have you learned about yourself in being a father? Yeah. Um, you know, they say if you if you wanna if you thought you knew how to knew how to love or what love was, get married. And then they say if you thought you were selfless, then have children. Um, and you realize mm. just how selfish you really are. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I uh and like it's all the little things. Um, you know, like my daughter asked me to fill up her water bottle and I just sat down and got comfortable. And sometimes like, say, I don't want to fill up your water bottle. Uh, go fill it up yourself. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of, it comes out in a lot of little things where we naturally feel selfish. Um, and it's just, that's really highlighted in me in an area that I, I can continue to grow and dying to myself uh, for them. Dude, it's so hard. Like, uh, I mean, you and I both um, have pursued personal development. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, you, you and I both had got connected through Rise of Kings, uh, a group that we went through a refinery weekend. I don't know if you've gone through any other of their programs, but uh, you're on this pursuit and it almost, 
it, it almost just makes you aware of how crappy you can be and not in the beat down way, but if you're on the pursuit of becoming, so like if you're listening to this podcast, you and some level are working or striving to be a better dad. Otherwise, why are you here? So there's this balance, this feeling of, yeah, I might be a better dad than every dad on the street, which is not a good comparison because the expectations for fathers is so freaking low, right? Yeah. You don't got to do much to be a great dad in America. Um, We're changing that though. Expectations are going to be set and high, my friends. Um, but but finding that balance of like taking the guilty moments and having them fuel me to show up even better tomorrow. Um, but that selfishness piece, bro, it's like I feel like I'm constantly rubbed up against what does Ned want right now versus what do one of my five kids or my wife need? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a struggle, man. It really is. It really is. I, to be honest, it's so encouraging to you know hear someone like you say that. And and whenever I, I around other dads who uh, who I look up to and appreciate, and they say the same thing, it's encouraging because I I know I'm not in that fight alone. Yes. Um, and I think that we have that community, and like we can one just hear each other out, and then two sometimes provide an, um, a practical way to just when you're in that community help overcome a particular scenario or sometimes three, we just need to hear like, man, you got to get over yourself. Um, and I think so finding that community of men that can connect with, uh, that's the right community of men has been very big for me in, in that particular avenue of selfishness. My brother is one who's been mm-hmm. great for it. A couple of my friends, my neighbor here actually has been another really good one for it. Um, so I think it's really good to find that community or those friends that you can rely on to help hold you above that. Agreed. You you have to have that community, which is hard for dudes to really make it a real community, not just surface level. Um, and then the idea that if you're not having, I would almost say if we're not having uh, resistance with our spouse or kids, then we're probably not tapped in enough. Then we're probably not really showing up because just like not engaged. Yeah, because you know, like the the only time your muscles are gonna grow is if you do those last three reps that suck ass, right? That's how it's yeah. gonna happen. So same with my daughter. If I want to get in tune and and be connected, if I'm really digging into relationship with her, there's going to be moments of discomfort. There's gonna be moments of, you know, like I'm thinking about my daughter Violet right now. She's 14 and she's she's sometimes hard for me to connect with because she's so independent and I strike out all the time. So I just strike out. So let's just like two dads right now share something. So I strike out trying to talk to her when I pick her from track or from soccer or from wherever. And last night, I and a lot of times I'll even like reach over and like rub her shoulder and I could just feel her like or hug her and I could just feel her go. I wish this dude wasn't bothering me right now. And last night I, I, I reached over and I was like rubbing her foot after we were just sitting around having our family meeting at the end of the night. And she's like, dad, would you rub my feet? And I just, dude, I had this moment and I just got to rub her feet because she plays soccer and track. And so I know her body hurts all the time. Anyways, that's a huge win for me. So when I said just two dads talking right now, what's a win that you've had? So like if we were just sitting in the sauna, chit chatting after a workout, what's a recent win you have had? with one of your kids. Like for me, that win was like 
dude, like a golden win for 2023 for sure. Five minutes yeah. because there's a lot of strikeouts, but that was a win. What's one for yeah. you? Man, I, I, I'm really glad you asked. I actually had one I was really hoping to share. Oh, um, so it, it kind of, it comes back to my son with his wrestling. Um, he's had, this is really his first wrestling season. Like he wrestled a little bit last year, but as far as an actual season, this is his first season. Um, and of course we all have high expectations for our kids, right? Yes. He's seven. I have to remind myself he's seven, not 27. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, th- and so anyways, he's won some matches, he's lost some matches. And then we have our home to our home tournament here just last weekend. And, um, he wrestled a couple of kids, a couple of matches that he lost that I honestly thought he could have won, but he, he tried hard. He did. He went out there. He was aggressive. He had a great attitude. He was upset that he lost, but he held it together. And, you know, it's just, it's been a long season of that. Um, we started in October and it's just like every tournament's like that. Like, I'm just tired of watching my son lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after the last match, I've, I've been, I made it a goal of this year to use wrestling to help Uriah start to develop some mental resilience. And I've been, I've been obsessed with this idea over the last six months, especially of what does it look like? And is there a particular formula for developing mental resilience? And I've started to formulate this um, kind of stepwise process. And I think mm-hmm. at the bottom level of that, the most important part is it has to start with as a parent or as a coach or as a mentor, it has to start with the one condition is you have to have unconditional love. Your love for them, my love for Uriah is not based on whether or not he wins. That doesn't matter. It does not come into whether or not I love him. I admire him. I cherish him. He has to know that yeah. that's number one. It's foundation. After that, you have to be present in every one of those experiences with him. Once you like you're in the fight with him, you're in the battle with him. Once that's happened, then you can start giving some feedback. You know, you've you've he knows that you're a safe place to go. And now you've I've built some credence with him because I've been in this fight with him. And now it's I need to start giving him some critique. I need Mm -hmm. to start teaching him like these are things you need to do better. So anyways, he comes off the mat after his second loss. He's emotional. He's trying really hard not to cry. He's like clenched up and he's just, he's obviously very emotional. And I decided, you know, I got down on his level on, on my knees. I grabbed, put my hands on his arms. Like Uriah, you did awesome. You went after it. I'm proud of you. You made this one mistake that got you beat. And I want you to be able to do it better next time. And it's when you took your shot, you left your arm way up like this. And so you just got thrown to your back. Anyways, like he didn't give me any feedback in that moment. Mm. Okay. Um, he kind of looked at me and just didn't really give me much. And so his uncle was standing right there, my brother. And I said, much talk to uncle Trevor. And then I got up and I, I walked away 10 minutes later, my brother comes up to me and he says, man, your son doesn't need that. You win. He comes off the mat. He just needs to know you're there. Mm. And, um, I love Trevor very much. And he often says what I need to hear. And I wanted to punch him in the mouth for it at that particular <laughs> moment. It's like, man, like I've, he knows I'm that he needs to start learning. Well, anyway, so I was kicking myself in the gut because then like, man, like, did I just, I don't know, am I making, am I not making the progress I want? Was that not what you're ready to hear right there at the moment? And like, whatever, I tried really hard to get over it. And then the next match, he goes out there 
And he does exactly what I told him to. Mm. He's aggressive. He actually shot for the first time all season with his arms down. First time all season. Takes a kid down, pins him, wins really quickly, and he's really excited. That night, I put him to bed. We, um, we're doing our bedtime prayers. And he, um, as soon as we're done, I stand up to walk out. It says, hey, Dad, thank you for loving me and always being in my corner. Mm. And thank you for being willing to tell me what I did wrong so I can be better. Wow. Freaking seven years old. Are you kidding? Seven. Like, man, like, I was really glad the lights were off so he couldn't see the fact that I just immediately, like, teared up. Um, But, yeah, that was a huge win and huge victory for me because I've I've been trying really hard. It's been this long season with Uriah to, to, to make sure he knows that even though I want him to win, his performance doesn't dictate whether or not I love him to be in the moment with him all the time. And then to now try and help him grow, take the next step in that mental resilience to be able to take negative feedback and critique. And then he did it. And then he was grateful for it. Like it was, it was awesome. Yeah, man. Beautiful story. I love, you know, one, I love you Two, I'm present in it with you three. I'm a guide for you. Um, And I think that it's really distinct, you know, like even up here on my whiteboard, I've got each of my family's names and it's like, what's in focus for me for each of them and finding that balance of like, love the person, right? Like I have crazy expectations as a dad for our life and our kids and et cetera, but that my love and me being in the game with them, whatever game of life, school, sports, whatever, that, that having an answer. And that's the guide piece. I think that the critique, the guide, the, whatever you want to call it, the being in tune with yourself of like, is this about me? Is this the right time? And we'll probably mess that piece up. You know what? Because we'll think, oh yeah, they definitely need me to say something to them. We'll probably mess that up sometimes. But if we don't mess up or, and are consistent with the love and presence, which I really dig, then our kids are going to have grace for us on the times that we're like, ah, dude, I shouldn't have told you that you should have done it this way or whatever. Right. Because if the love and presence, they know, they know it's just dad being dad sometimes. So dude, love that formula or framework. Really, really good. Um, okay, man. What we talked about what you learned about yourself, selfishness in just a sentence or two, what would you say is the role of the father? I mean, it's already coming out in the way your relationship with your kid, the way you're showing up. Um, but, but if you were to kind of like put it into a sentence or two, what would you say the role of the father is? Yeah. Um, man, honestly, I, I say the, the role of a father is first to just be a reflection of God's love, mm-hmm. um, and God's wisdom and God's strength. Uh, we'll always fall short of that. Yeah. Um, but I think that the father is to is to love, to protect, to serve, to provide, um, to be present, to be engaged. To actually, probably an even more important one than a lot of those is the role of a father is to provide some identity, um, mm-hmm. especially to our boys. What's identity mean? Yeah, so the way we see ourselves as men, mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of the way I see myself as a man has been a direct reflection of my relationship with my father and both the good and the bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so give and, me, is, uh, are you able to give me a good and a bad? Uh, yeah. Um, one of the good is my dad had very high expectations with us in combination with, I knew I could always go to him for something if I really needed it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was, his love for us was never questioned, but he also had very high expectations. Um, and so being both that loving and demanding father, I think was a good thing. I, I put both those in the, the, the good category. Um, spit like an example would be, it'd be a, a summer Saturday afternoon and our buddies would be out having fun. I'd be in high school. My dad probably knew they were out having the kind of fun I shouldn't be having. So instead of that, he had, he kept me busy. Like we had five, we lived on five acres and he randomly found rocks. He just wanted to move to another part of the pasture, <laughs> uh, like literally just to keep us busy um, or to go cut weeds that dad, they're already a quarter inch tall. I don't care. You'll cut them again. Um, but I think like that, that expectation always being there in combination with the fact that he loved us unconditionally. Yeah. I'd put that in the good category. The bad category would be my, my dad also for a long time had an anger problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never really knew what would set him off. Um, and it took him a long time to overcome that. And the, I would say through the grace of God, his, my dad's constant persistence and trying to overcome that and being aware of that and the, the love and grace of my mother, um, he has overcome that, uh, quite a bit, but for, for a while, um, he definitely had an anger problem and it, and it was, uh, it was a struggle for all of us. How old would you say you were when he overcame his anger? Like, where there was a significant dad is, I, I feel high safer school. around. High school. I'd say maybe freshman year of high school, sophomore year of high school. Okay. So you're talking at 14 or 15 years old. There's a shift from middle school age. Dad could blow up, whatever. High school, something's different. Do you know what was different in his life that allowed him to overcome that anger? I mean, obviously you said it's not like he was working on it. Your mom had love and grace yeah. for him. So it's not like he wasn't aware why did he stop or what changed? Um, I don't think so. I say in high school, maybe it was more, more, more my perception that dramatically changed that time um, in growing up and maturing um, because I can't say there was a particular thing that ever really changed. I, I just know from when I was some of my earliest memories around the age of four to maybe 10 or 11 are, are marked by a lot of his anger, but then there's a gradual decrease. It wasn't like his anger went from here to there. Got it. it was like this, if that makes sense. Yep. No, it totally makes sense. So when you said, now, let me ask you this, have you had to overcome anger to the same degree? Yes. Yep. Do you think that I, you're let me ask this this way. Do you think that your dad's work in overcoming his anger helped you either start on a different path like, or just do you think it helped you in your overcoming it or your level of anger that you experienced at first? I mean, how did him overcoming it play a role in you overcoming it? So seeing my dad, um, one, accept the fact that that was a struggle for him mm-hmm. and be willing to take it head on and having a, a pretty strong memory of that. Um, I think it helped me do the same, but a lot earlier in my kids' lives. Like I would say the the level of anger, and, and I don't know, maybe I'd have to ask my brother who's uh, pretty intimately involved with, with all of us, um, his perspective on it. But I would say now at Uriah being seven, is probably the anger that I saw in my dad when I was 14. Yep. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. And I think because I recognized it very quickly and 
going back to our kids showing us how selfish we are, I noticed a lot of, I started to really notice my anger when I got married. And then I really started to notice my anger when we had kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think recognizing it and knowing I did not ever want to be like that. Yep. And knowing, seeing what my dad had done in his journey definitely has helped me improve in that area. Yes. Dude, so beautiful. And and I, the real importance that I want men to pick up on, and if you're here, obviously you're already working on yourself, but the work we do in our lives, don't do it for yourself if you're not, you know, like do it for your kid. You know, so like when you think of your seven-year-old, hopefully he'll be on having a conversation in, in 30 years, you going, yeah, no, I just, I, I don't get angry to that level, right? He's working on something else. Like you set him up for success where his starting point is different than your starting point because your dad set you up differently, right? And, and mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we forget like in our selfishness that this isn't just about me. Like my kid is half me their quarter, their grandpa, or whatever you want to, you know, divvy it up. But the reality that the work I do on myself is going to impact my children's lives immensely. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely a generational thing. Way more than we see that. Yeah. It puts enormous meaning on, on it. And what I like is sometimes I think we go, you know, I pass my DNA to my kid. And so they're half me in a sense, but the work that I think we're so connected that the work I do on myself is directly going to connect to my son, even as he's 13, 15, 18. If I continue to work on myself, it is going to directly impact my son and my daughters. Um, So just kudos to you dudes working on yourself. You're setting your kids up for some success. Um, Okay. This podcast is fatherhood field notes. You're already doing it, opening up your field notes, sharing your life, sharing the wins, the, 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 the learning from the failures, et cetera. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. Um, and, and you've heard that, you know what it means, but what's something that Justin is rebelling against fighting against tearing down some walls, but not just to be destructive, to create something in its place. So when you hear those words, what's something you're rebelling against and what are you working to create out of that? Right. So I'm rebelling against this, uh, this friction between these two opposing ideas. Number one, that sport is just about winning. And number two, that it doesn't matter if you win. I think the problem is both are true. If we don't have a goal we're pursuing, There's no ability to grow ourselves because Mm -hmm. there's really nothing that we're chasing. There's nothing that's going to create that friction. Okay. But on the other end, if it's all just about winning and we forget that really the winning is not the end all, the purpose is to grow ourselves. The purpose is the process. Then um, we're not going to actually, we're going to lose the whole purpose of it to begin with. So it can, two things can be true. It's very important. We try to win but the yeah. winning is not the purpose. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So for me, there's one particular lesson that like I alluded to a little bit ago that I've been really obsessed with trying to help my children learn. And I would say that if I'm going to try and create a legacy, it's a legacy of mental toughness and resilience. But what does that look like? Um, and I've looked first, first, everything comes from the Bible for me. And then if I find anything in secular sources, does it help support or refute that? Um, and then I, I, 
try to do it through my own filter of personal experience. <clears throat> Number one, the formula I, I mentioned earlier, um, that's the first half of it. Um, and it, it actually comes from the Bible with God as the exemplar of that unconditional love. And then he's with us in everything. And then there's, he's also going to give us that feedback. Um, but then as we, as we dive into a lot of this, if you start coming to other dichotomies, like, um, well, should we spank our kids? Should we not spank our kids? And for a lot of people that that's a, you know, comes down to a personal decision. Well, we can point to a verse in the Bible that a lot of pro spankers will say, well, spare the rod, hate the child. But then we also forget that, you know, we're not supposed to, um, anger our children. Um, and we're supposed to love them, like love our wives and everyone the way that Christ loved the church and laid it it, late on our lives for them. Like there's two things that come together. So in this pursuit of resilience and trying to make everything fit through the Bible, there's so many dichotomies that can come together. So I'd say that in rebelling against this dichotomy of it's important to win, but it's also more important to develop through the pursuit of winning. Yep. I'm trying to build resilience as the one big lesson. And so that's a journey for me. And um, one of the books that I've recently read is Grit by Angela Duckworth. And another one is uh, Do Hard Things by Steve mm-hmm. Magnus, which I highly recommend every dad read both those books, nice. whether you're a coach or not. Um, that That's creating a formula that I'm finding to be true and to be supported first from the Bible and then to these sites really cool to see these secular sources that you know through scientific studies and evidence like man it turns out like what the bible is saying is actually true so it's it's really it's been a cool experience so been rebelling against that and trying to create a path to resilience and talk about resilience like what's what's the purpose of resilience why is it so important how is it played out what are your thoughts on it yeah so resilience like we talked earlier life is hard being a parent is hard yeah um Working is hard. Uh, Being a husband is hard. Pursuing a sport is hard. Trying to grow ourselves is hard. If we don't have a certain level of resilience, we're simply not going to stick to any of the things that are important. The things that are most important are hard. The things that are most valuable are difficult to reach. And if we don't have resilience, we're just simply not going to get there. Yeah. Yeah, so important for our kids, especially in this day and age. And I love what you're rebelling against because there is this like, it's it's either or, either winning is important or everybody gets a trophy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I like yeah. how both things. I mean, you're not saying everybody get a trophy, but every the trophy idea is that you put effort into something, right? The trophy idea mm-hmm. is like you grew as a person. Now you may not be the number yeah. one, and we're not going to acknowledge you as number one if you're not, but you mm-hmm. should be better for lack of a better word today than you were six months ago when you started playing baseball or started wrestling or whatever it is like let's celebrate that um but then they're still competing right there's still this idea of competing and the reality is like the benefit you know i mean shoot the benefit right now my daughter's in track and when she wins first place every time like she she needs competition otherwise she's not going to get pushed to grow to her full potential unless there's somebody else there. And we're just having this conversation because one of her times were beat this last weekend and she's frustrated, but then it's like, dude, but this, but how is this good for you? Right. This is good for you because it's going to make you look at your game, look at everything that you're doing, reevaluate it. Um, so, so dude, I love what you're rebelling against. Uh, 
I love what you're creating out of that. I think that's really important for the role of the dad to help their kids see beyond just this moment. Because I mean, that ultimately like little league and all these things that our kids are doing, the idea that our, I mean, we live in such a weird world right now. The idea that my kid's going to be a professional athlete, like the level that some parents put their kids through stuff is a little insane. Um, If we look at the purpose of this sports as one, yes, we want you to have fun. Two, if you commit to something, follow through, right? Mm -hmm. Three, grow and learn how to work with a team and how to challenge yourself. What are a couple of other things that you would say are important, right? We talked about resilience, but teamwork, having fun. Like if you're a dad and you got your kids into sports, what are a couple other things that you'd want to look out for or make sure your kid's getting a full rounded experience uh, in participating in this activity? Yeah, so uh, there's a couple of things. Number one, um, it's funny you brought up the Little League. <laughs> I remember the, the first time I ever saw two men fight or two dads at a Little League baseball game. <laughs> I don't remember who won that oh, game. Crazy, bro. I do. And it, I, I do remember that particular incident. Um, dads, like we're our kids may not remember that they won a match or they won a race, but they will remember how we conducted ourselves Mm. that they will remember. So the example that to say, that's the number one thing, no matter how emotionally involved you get, of course, we all want our kids to win. We want to see them succeed. I don't care if it was the ref's fault that they lost. If the ref is the one who made the bad call, it doesn't matter. Like the way we conduct ourselves, the way that we, hold ourselves. That is probably the first most important lesson our kids are going to see. Like they're, they're always watching us. Yeah. Number two, I would say that if you're looking for something with, for in a sport for your kid, look for a, a team that has a coach whose goal is the development of your child. Mm. The goal is not to win. That's good. Yes. We all want to win. All of us do, but that can't be the end all be all. Um, it's gotta be the development of your child. Winning is a byproduct. If you have a team Mm -hmm. that you're developing the right characteristics of work ethic, aggression, consistency, follow through, uh, deliberate practice, you have a team that those are the core values that they're going after winning is a byproduct. I'd say probably those two things. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, love it. Okay, my friend, as we're coming to the last few minutes of our time together, is there a story, something that's just like sitting in your heart that you go, man, I really would love to just dive into this for a few minutes. Um, I, I, I feel like when I'm falling asleep tonight, if I didn't share this with dads, I'd feel like we missed it. Um, I know there's tons of stories you've got, lots of things going on in your world, but is there anything in particular that's sticking out as uh, you want to you discuss, talk about? I do. Um, there's, there's a story about one of my wrestlers. This is not one of my sons. Um, I also coach our high school wrestling team. Um, young man's name is Abe Malpin. Um, I first started coaching him four years ago when he came to us or three years ago when he came to us as a sophomore, he moved to Meeker from another city. Um, and it was very obvious right away that this young man had a lot of talent. Hmm. Um, and the very first match I coached him in, he is just whooping this kid, uh, like 12 or 13 to zero. And then just all of a sudden he decides he doesn't want to wrestle anymore. And he literally just rolls over on his back and just pins himself and just quits. Wild. The, um, purpose of this story is to encourage dads that if your son is someone who struggles with quitting, 
Don't give up on them. Mm. Resilience can be taught. Resilience is not this innate thing that we either have or we don't have. We may be born with a certain level to start with, but resilience can be taught. It is a skill. And Abe Malpin over the last three years has been an example of that. As I've gotten to know Abe over the last few years, I realized over the the first six months or year that he moved to Meeker, um, he was going through a lot. The, Mm -hmm. The kid was really struggling at home. His own dad was struggling with a lot. And the two of them had a lot of things to overcome. His dad had a lot of PTSD from the war. Um, There was just a lot that the young man was trying to overcome. Um, He came back the next year and he decided to stick with it. And instead of quitting the season and quitting the team, like he had the year before, he decided to, um, to try another season. Over the last three years, he's gone from someone who, with a reputation of quitting, who just gave up on everything, including his school, going from a near zero zero GPA to having a GPA now that he can. He just signed on to wrestle in college at the same school that I went to. Wow! His GPA had to go up for that. He got second. He made it to the finals in state this year. Got second in state because the young man chose made a choice that he was going to stick with it. And then I felt something for this kid and I really wanted to pour myself into him. And the cool thing about the other coaches on our coaching staff, they all were the same way as a group of men, we all poured into him. None of us gave up on him. And he was a a perfect example of the fact that anyone can learn resilience. Anyone can overcome it. Quitting is a choice, but it's also a skill to uh, to be able to overcome that. And if your son is someone who struggles with that, have hope. Don't quit on him. Just be there with him, be there next to him, be in the fight with him, and know that your love for him does not depend on whether or not he quits or succeeds or fails. Your love for him does not matter for that. It's unconditional. And then just be present. You don't always have to say anything. Just be present. Build that credence with them. And then start to walk them through and start to develop some skills with them. And there's there's a whole skill set of like mental tricks that we can use from, from positive thinking to zooming in and out to all kinds of things that you're you can start learning alongside your son. That would be the one thing that I'd want to tell fathers right now is it's a learnable skill. There's a way to learn it. If you yourself don't know how to learn it, I can point you towards some great books. Uh, those two books I mentioned earlier, I recommend, like I said, for Every Dad, Grit by Angela Duckworth and uh, Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus. Every dad and coach should read those. Yep. I'll put both um, of those in the show notes too, just links to those in Amazon so people can go score them if they want. Perfect. Perfect. But yeah, so that would be the that would be the story that I'd want to tell. Love it, dude. Okay. So resilience can be taught. And then you made, it was just part of your, your, your sharing about this, but you said dads can learn this alongside their sons. So dads, I yes. think that's super critical for one to go, okay, this is a skill. It's not either I have it or I don't, this is a skill. And like we talked about with the anger, if you wish you had it and you wish somebody taught it to you through whatever, you go learn it and then give that gift to your son. Go learn it together. Nothing more beautiful than you guys go figuring that out. Whether you both go sign up for jujitsu or whatever. I mean, there's tons of different things out there that you could go do together 
Um, or if it's just you loving unconditionally being present in whatever sport your kid is interested in being a part of or whatever else might come across your your path, you know your kid, right? So be in tune with them. All right, Justin. So here's my last question, bro. And you sort of answered it a little, you sort of answered it already, but maybe there's a little bit difference um, to it. Um, and it is a legacy question. So imagine, uh, let's just say 30 years from now, you're peering into the home of your children, right? And Uriah is going to be 37, right around the age you are now, you're right, you just turned 35. So similar stage of life, possibly. When you look into their homes, what is it that you see and you know the way you showed up day in, day out, you're seeing this being played out in their home. What is it that you see? Yeah, um, I see them all being resilient um, based upon the principles we just talked about wow. and teaching their children resilience, mm. starting with unconditional love and being present. And no matter what life had ever thrown at my children between now and then, they always found themselves getting back up or finding another way to go about it or not being afraid to change course and keep moving um, and then teaching those skills to their own children. Beautiful, bro. I think the idea of really pairing that word unconditional with the word love is really important for us dads to like have in our mind because I think we all say we love our kids. But I think I've even been thinking about this with my high expectations. Do my kids sometimes feel that my love is based on them performing at those high expectations, whether it's putting their cereal bowl away or not being on their phone after the certain time, you know what I mean? Do they mm -hmm. feel loved based on doing things right? Um, and based on what you said before, like as far as the role, the fathers to really reveal to them who that heavenly father is, who God is. If I'm putting that kind of like expectation based love on them, is that how they're going to perceive the creator of the universe? That's heavy. And so I think when you pair it with unconditional, like you're saying, that definitely goes, I love this kid no matter what goes down. It's not tied to anything. So uh, kudos to you for for desiring daily to show up that way for your wife and kids and being an inspiration and a light and you know doing that, whether it's at the hospital or in your gym, inspiring other people um, to live that way. Just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I, I'm grateful and honored to be connected to you uh, and appreciate our time together today. Awesome, Ned. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you for reaching out to dads and for providing a platform for all of us to continue to grow and encourage us. So thank you. Love it, bro. Until next time. Yes, sir. What an incredible, powerful conversation. So enjoyed connecting with Justin. Really love the end there talking about unconditional love. Dads, do we have unconditional love for our children? If not, what needs to change in our words and actions? My friends, you are already making massive change to your family tree and legacy by investing in yourself as a father. As you know, many men stumble into their role as fathers. Our society's in desperate need of fathers who know who they are and are engaged in their homes. 
I created the Adventure of Fatherhood Children's Book and Gift Box as an opportunity for you and I to play a part in another man's adventure. Please help me spread the word that fatherhood matters. We created this book and Gift Box, okay? So you can buy the book at Amazon, which would be great because then you can write a review, or you can buy the book and or Gift Box at adventurefatherhood.com. Order it and gift it to a new dad, welcoming him into fatherhood. Most men stumble in. Don't allow people you know, people you're connected to, to stumble into fatherhood. This is a simple way to invite a man into his role, show him who he is through a simple children's book. Check it out. It's beautiful. And the dude will love it. I get pictures almost every day of a dad reading the book to his kids or opening it up and feeling very important at this critical moment in his life. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is what your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.